0: Section 18 of the Devolutionist and the Emancipatrix. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kirby Bonds. The Devolutionist and the Emancipatrix by Homer Eon Flint, Part Number One, Chapter 18, The Silver Heart. Mona leapt to the controls. She turned the craft about automatically and started towards Hafen. Then she glanced over the side. What she saw brought her heart to her throat. About a mile below, and under Fort, as he sank through the air, was another flying machine which neither had noticed before. In it was the figure of a man standing. He was maneuvering his craft so as to intercept the falling aviator, and the clear air of the high altitudes carried the sound of his voice faintly, but surely, to Mona's ears. "'Thought you'd get away, did you, Fort?' in a heavy, insolent tone. "'Well, you get left, my boy!' "'Eklan Norbith cried Fort at the same instant. Next second he had landed on the deputy's machine. "'Norbeth!' thought Mona, immediately recalling her patient at the hospital she hesitated only an instant then dove in a steep spiral down toward the two fort had fouled his parachute on a stanchion in landing breathless he lay in a tangled heap looking up at the towering bulk of the deputy you're not going to get clear this time fort like you did that night with the Cobulus and Ernal gang norbith was saying savagely gloating over the man at his feet thought the lad killed me, I suppose. I was barely stunned, and I've been on your tail ever since.' His eyes glowed with anger. Mona watched him in silence as she circled nearer. "'Norbith, the Commission's deputy in Calistia. He represented all that was evil and cruel in the government. It was he who did the nasty work. The things which powered himself was much too of a gentleman.' to do norbith the strong cruel right arm on an unjust law well Ford had regained his breath somewhat now that you've got me norbith what do you intend to do about it do the man's voice fairly boomed i'm going to tear that parachute off your back and pitch you overboard you infernal outlaw I'm going to claim that you resisted arrest. At that instant, he noted Mona for the first time. He started as he recognized her. The surgeon. Then his rage came on him again. You hold your tongue, young woman, or I shall have it pulled out. Do you understand? He demanded, thrusting his face up towards hers. Then Fort was upon him. All he cared for now was to get his fingers in Norbith's throat, and the next moment, Mona was desperately steering his machine clear of the other as it swayed and thrashed about under the struggling of the two men. The advantage was with the deputy. Powerful man that he was, he was more than a match for even Fort's great strength. While the athlete's agility did him no good in the restricted space of the cockpit, the parachute hindered him too down on the ground on a clear spot it would have been different as it was fort was quickly thrust to his knees and despite all he could do he could not fight off the deputy's grip in a moment it had shifted to the athlete's throat you would would you roared the deputy by you'll be dead even before you reach the ground fort struggled wildly in a moment he was strangling Mona could see his protruding eyes and lolling tongue. She could not help. She was just not athlete enough to leap to his aid. But all of a sudden, just as Fort had once come to her own rescue, her tongue came to his. "'Boy, boy, tear open his shirt! Tear open his shirt!' Fort heard. For a second he hesitated. Dull wonder in his starting eyes— then he reached up and with a spasmodic jerk of his hands ripped norbith's shirt wide open the man's bare chest was exposed don't you see shrieked mona hysterically look boy look and fort saw he saw the two silver tubes leading from the brown scar in the breast of this man the man whose heart had been replaced by a silver instrument saw the tubes leading to a belt around the man's middle where the pumping mechanism was concealed. And as Fort saw, he understood. With a final burst of strength, he raised his quivering fingers and clutched one of the little pipes. A jerk, an exclamation from Norbith, then, and even as Fort's head fell backward, insensate, his hand snapped the little tube in two. Good God, swore the deputy. You, you've... He gasped and sputtered. He let go a Fort. The athlete dropped like a log onto the bottom of the craft. But Eklund Norbeth stood upright, his hands thrashing wildly, his mouth twitching horribly. One end of the broken tube hissed with escaping air. The other end spouted blood. The deputy swayed, his head dropped to his shoulders. And then the air rushed into his lungs, For the last time, he gave a single piercing shriek, tottered, and fell backward out of the machine. Fort opened his eyes to see Mona bending over him, bathing his head. He looked around dully, blinking once or twice, frowned as though trying to remember, and then said, How did I get here? I waited until Norbeth's machine steadied, said she in a wonderfully soft voice. And then flew down close enough to pick you up. He remembered. Suddenly, he grasped at her arm and tried to get up. Hurry, he cried. You've only got time enough to make it. The gap. Don't take any chances. But the girl was paying no attention to where the machine was going. She was looking at the man and seeming to be perfectly satisfied. I don't care, she declared a little shakily. "'Hole looks good enough to me, dear, if you're going to be living on it.' The craft rocked perilously. Back on earth, three of the four stirred in their chairs. The doctor was the first to arouse. He sounded the gong to warn his wife, and the action helped to awaken the others. Billy first, then Smith, but Van Emmon did not rouse.' Still connected with the dictator, Billy's husband was twisting and turning in his chair, moaning slightly under his breath. In his subconscious mind, some terrible scene was being enacted. Suddenly his mouth flew open, and the words fairly tumbled forth. Ernal, At the contact! He's telephoned! Everybody knows now! Next! Billy! Why didn't you tell me? I could have warned Powart and then in a voice of agony god what a mob they'll kill him but he was still unconscious the doctor exclaimed in fear quick he ordered get into the connection again and he threw himself back into his chair in a minute the three were still except for two great tears from billy's eyes there were no signs of life two minutes passed then three finally all four roused together well van emmon was the first to speak his voice was harsh and strained by george that was a narrow squeak i thought sure i was a goner they threw powart out of his yacht billy caught his hand and patted it her lips were trembling she could not trust herself to speak her husband stared at her with eyes that were still bewildered and tried hard to understand smith could say nothing the doctor however got to his feet and stretched phew taking off the brass bracelet reaching for a handful of the venusian books that was going some he located a passage in one of the books i guess we've had enough of people like ourselves what do you say eagerly to visiting a place where they're not even the same sort of animals as we are.' He looked around enthusiastically. Smith made a brief sound of agreement, and remained in his chair. Both he and the doctor looked to Billy and Van Emmon for comment. But the man and the woman were content to look at one another. Their minds had room for only one problem. Their eyes saw nothing, cared to see nothing, save that which love seeks, and having found is satisfied with did it make any difference to billy that her husband had sympathized with Capulet's greatest despot and worst failure did it make any difference to van that billy approved when the woman she was allied with discarded the despot for the devolutionist or was billy still his chief reason for existing and was van hers that was the real question Small matters like life in other worlds. They could wait. End of chapter 18